0: What's up, everybody? We are live here on the Digital Discipleship Podcast. This is exciting. First live stream of the podcast. Anj, I don't know if you know this. I've been podcasting now for just over two years. And this is the first live stream podcast we've ever done. So I I I was saving I was saving this exploration to do with you on this podcast because as I told you before we started. You are a real podcaster. You you you've been on podcast. You hosted a podcast. You're on. Uh-huh. Post- you're you're like a podcast queen. So yeah, uh, you've even got the podcast mic, you know, up there. So yeah,
1: some. Really I think what he means is I'm gonna say inappropriate things, and he's excited <laughs> for me to get that live. I'm just for excited everyone. for any
0: clickbait that comes out of this. <laughs> oh or, man, I,
1: I'm yeah. Me, me live is always a question mark, but here I, I am. I if you want it, a show, I think this will be the good live show. <laughs> this is
0: going to be the show for you if you're watching right now or you're watching later. Whatever, you, whatever your preference <laughs> is, you're going to enjoy it. Um, guys, I'm excited to have Andrea Heyer on the podcast today. I'm going to give a brief overview, and then I'm sure she's going to want to add some flavor in here. Um, Anj is the chief experience officer, I can't wait to hear more about that, for Paradigm Shift. She is very passionate about helping people see their leadership potential, and I can attest to that. Um, Being friends with Anj, working with Anj, and seeing where she's at now, I can attest she has a a passion for leadership development. She graduated from ORU with a degree in organizational communications um, and business, and uh, she loves everything, team building, facilitating communication. A quote that we'll say all the time to each other when we work together. And I'm sure you still say in, in some ways is, you know, uh, uncommunicated expectations always go <laughs> unmet. And I'm sure we'll touch on that a little bit uh, today. Uh, Anj is married to her college sweetheart, if that's appropriate to say. I don't know if he would phrase himself that way. John Hire, Shout out yeah. to John Hire <laughs> on the podcast. I appreciate you, John. You're amazing. And then she has two sons, Liam and Lorenzo, and of course, we cannot forget Nugget. Nugget. I can't forget him. They're amazing, dog. I have to ask Anj before we get really serious. Like I need to ask, how's how's Nugget doing? It's a big transitionary time for him. Obviously, Liam came. There was the adjustment period. Now there's Lorenzo. Like how how is the Nugget? How is he doing?
1: Um, he is he's existing. Really? I mean, I can't pretend like I think he's living a good life like he Mm -hmm. there's a lot of uh, joy in our house, a lot of chaos, a lot of, uh, you know, he's not just like sulking in a corner by himself, but he is getting like whacked with Lorenzo, my youngest. He's like 18 months, Mm. a year and a half for normal people terminology. Mm. And um and he loves Nugget, but like he I don't think he understands the concept of Nugget. Like he's a dog and he's real.
0: Yeah. So
1: he'll literally just like like whack, like hit him, pull his tail. He bit him once. Oh,
0: no. Um, oh, no.
1: But so people can't say I get the I get the thoughts a lot like is Nugget still alive? Do you even care about him? I'm like, oh, Nugget gets a lot of attention. I yes. actually think Nugget probably wishes he got less attention. Mm. Mm. So he- his roles really evolved. Over the last like six years of having him, yeah,
0: seven, he probably enjoyed seven. just having you and John for a while, and just being able to have privacy. Now that that's probably not a thing.
1: No, oh no, yeah, not with two kids under four. Yeah,
0: no, absolutely not, <laughs> absolutely not. Tell no. us, I'm I'm really curious about your title. Um, obviously, I know a little bit of the backstory, but I think for our audience that may not know, kind of your background with paradigm shift. Um, tell us a little bit about your title what does that really mean and maybe even put a little preview in there for for paradigm shift
1: Yeah definitely um i i should have clarified this with you probably beforehand so my title's actually evolved from that one Oh, um, i'm great. essentially just CEO now in the most normal of terms Oh she's uh, executive officer whatever you want to call that executive it's it's pretty similar to what yeah you're still not far i mean it's still e (laughs) for those who care a lot about terminology if you're a chief experience officer you're cxo Mm. things that literally probably no one knows or cares about um Mm. but you're cxo so anyway we've we've evolved the title the reason for it initially when i was in my prior role it was mainly over uh the people and finances side of of what we do in teams and stuff like that Mm. um and the role I'm in now has just evolved over pretty much all of it. So oh, um, even cooler. Yeah, it uh, depends on the day you ask me. You know, so, <laughs> no shout out to Paradigm, I love them. Yeah. Uh, they're awesome. They're a leadership development company. Uh, incredible team that we yeah. have there. Um, incredible leaders. I joke with them all the time, but like it's also kind of serious. It's one of the hardest jobs I've ever had. Leader, yeah. leading leaders. Mm-hmm. Um, is and they're good leaders, and they are. I mean, top-notch to people that I know personally or lead, um, which is incredible, but leading them really keeps me at the top Mm. of my, I would say, our founder too, Jared, uh, feels the same way. So um, yeah, we do leadership developments of all sorts, whether that's in after-school programs, um, under grants, with uh, education just overall, or in Mm. a corporate team, a ministry team. Uh, We do all kinds of um, facilitation is probably a good word. Yeah. Um, and our, our goal is to, uh, grow and help unlock leadership development that people know they have within themselves or don't know that they have within themselves.
0: So, so cool. Yeah. And I can attest from seeing paradigm shift work firsthand with some of our students at ORU and you guys do such a great job of, uh, really pulling leadership out of people. And really that's why I wanted to have you on the podcast today Anj what I didn't mention our little bio is again, Anj and I did work together here at over you missions and outreach. It was a blast and it was so cool on seeing you. um, I don't know, like really model a a level of leadership that I feel is really good for young people. And so I think if if you're a young person listening or watching to this, I think there's a lot you can glean from Anj. and um, today I really just want to like hit six questions. So it's not Mm going to be a, a two-hour podcast, unless Anj really goes off, and just you know, it we, it, hey,
1: you you wanted to be live, so I, I mean, could go three hours here. I you know I'm <laughs> at your mercy,
0: Anj. So whatever you say, <laughs> our, our listeners are at your mercy. But I, I think the goal of of why I really wanted to have uh, you on here, Anj, um, is because. I think you can really pull leadership out of people, and that was even before you worked at Paradigm Shift. That is just something that's in you. Um, and mm-hmm. so I'm I'm going to invite you to really pull leadership out, especially uh, out of our young audience. But um, the reason why I even titled this episode "Struggles for Women in Leadership" because I even wanted to start with that word "struggle," um, and and we would tell students that or you this quite often is oftentimes struggles put in this um, negative light right? Like if you're struggling, Mm -hmm. something's wrong with you. If you're struggling, something's bad. But I think even from like my perspective, and I think about like an athlete or something, you have to struggle to win. You have to struggle to achieve goals. You have to struggle um, to earn your place and to earn respect. And there's just so much that struggle brings that's positive. And so I think really what I would love for you to help our audience wrestle through um, is really what um, women Um, are doing in leadership now from what you've seen specifically women so that you can inspire encourage and equip a generation of next gen women leaders but Mm -hmm. also while doing that challenging calling out if necessary and encouraging the men in leadership um, whether side by side or in authority over those women um, to say like hey and here's your role in that struggle here's what you can do Mm-hmm. Um, to be a part of that conversation to be a part of that struggle so um Ange, thanks for for being willing to to challenge uh, our audience today I think it's gonna be fun <laughs> uh, she's also from the northeast uh, so Anj, keep it real okay uh, keep that you don't
1: you don't have to ask me i, I, will. <laughs> I don't I don't think so but I, I just
0: wanted to you know unspoken expectations they might go in that. Uh-huh. they might go, they they might might. go and um, okay so uh, I'm gonna ask you this first question on um, and then you just, you take it where you want to. But um, our question is when you think about your leadership journey, uh, what is a leadership principle you have found to be very valuable um, and consistent kind of throughout your leadership time? <clears throat>
1: um, I would say this is i think it might be kind of an upcoming word right now but it really is one that uh we're talking about a lot currently in the job i'm in right now too but Mm. resiliency i think is something right now that um that people are really needing in a leader but i think i have had to really push through in a leader and five years ago if you asked me what resiliency meant i think Mm. i would define it a lot different than i would today yeah um You know, I think five years ago, I would have said when I'm saying resiliency and I want to define it. So people really hear what I'm saying when I say that um, I would have defined it as, you know, like buckle up, push through, you know, you can do hard things, uh, armor up, just get through it. Do what you need to do. Mm -hmm. Um, You know, don't let them see you break. Don't let them see weakness. People need strong leaders. People need confident leaders. You're a woman. So you already have to be stronger and you already Mm. have to be smarter and you already have to be more confident. 10 times more than the man sitting right next to you who doesn't Mm. maybe need to be half of that. Um, Mm. And so that's what resilience meant to me for a long time. Um, I think in my maturity and kind of, as you mentioned, like leadership journey, I've learned resiliency means those things, but the most resilient thing that I think I've done as a leader also is learn to lay down that armor, Um, Mm. learn to acknowledge rather than just assume. I have to be 10 times smarter because it's pretty much, you know, all that they tell you about being women in leadership um Mm. rather than just feel that armor up with it and and push through it um acknowledge it be vulnerable with it like well i think the way you're talking you know to me um is a different expectation than you have for my coworker here um i don't think that you would respond to me if i was jared let's say in this way is that because of respect is that because of gender is that because of leadership like resiliency goes beyond just like push through and Mm. actually through like push through your own walls, push through your own vulnerability, push through Mm -hmm. the hard questions you don't even want the answers to on the other side. To me, that's probably one of the biggest um, leaps I've taken. Hardest. It's the hardest work I've done in my leadership journey, but probably some of the biggest leaps I've taken in redefining one single characteristic of leadership.
0: Sure. That's that's a word, and I think resiliency, that's perfect even for uh, this next-gen leader that's coming up, Gen Z. Um, yeah. Even looking at Gen Alpha, they, they've they've had to endure a lot, um, whether it be COVID, um, things that they've come up under in high school, many of them missing years of school, and we see a lot of the ramifications of that here with ORU yeah. students. Um, so I yeah. guess just to follow up on resiliency for you, um, when you've looked at your life of uh, leadership and your opportunities, things you've had to walk through as a leader. Um, what would be like maybe an example you could give of resiliency that, you know, when in your leadership, you really had to you had to fight through that and really learn what it meant to be resilient, you know, mm-hmm. in your own leadership walk.
1: hmm I mean, there's an obvious one that's uh, COVID. I don't really know <laughs> if I want to use That's just like so obvious I don't know right. if that's one, uh, that I want to use, but yeah. Um, I think if I'm putting it more to my my current self now cuz again it, even during covid I would have defined leadership or resiliency as really different than I yeah. I would now. Um so more more currently I think um being resilient has looked like making a decision for our team collectively mm. that I know is not the most uh I won't be the most liked after yeah. or it won't be the most agreed upon. Mm. Um I think as a woman, you can really get in your head about how that will come off for people, how you'll be perceived by those things, which is really unfortunate because if we're talking about men in leadership, um, the woman who goes in and does the layoffs just to keep the company afloat so that 20 other people can stay on is like wow look i mean she doesn't even care look at those people this is not my company actually this is not paradigm shift at all um but i would say culturally i think this really does exist a woman Mm. goes in and confronts a situation confronts an individual regardless of how they identify themselves um it like wow she's insert your Language of choice here. Um, yeah. Bossy. She's pretentious. She's whatever mm. she is. A man comes in and does the exact same thing, and he's bold. He's courageous. He's charismatic. Mm. He's resilient. He's whatever those yeah. things are. Um, and so, I actually i th- I don't think it looks different for a woman being resilient versus a man. I think the resiliency is taking the one step ahead to understand you may be looked at differently than a man. Um, but how are? W- what does your identity lie in? Does your identity mm. lie in your femininity and your gender um because if it does at the end of the day that's going to crumble you or it's going to do the opposite and you're going to be a very hard um intense leader and probably not the best of ways so Mm. um i think for me it's looked a lot like that like just where am i going to put my identity and what does resilience look like in you know making a hard decision that no one else wants to make yeah um but then coming out of the other side of that what do i do with the tough emotions that exist around it
0: Wow. That's so good. And I, I think that's actually a really good segue into our next question. Um, you kind of started going there a little bit, but what what would you say is a cultural stigma around women in leadership that you hear often, um, maybe maybe not in your company, but maybe with other people that you talk to around other companies, other organizations? Um, what's that stigma that like just irritates you?
1: <laughs> I have to I'm really trying to make myself pick one. <laughs> um,
0: <laughs> go to Go to if you can pick I one. Could, okay,
1: so I could pick one actually on both sides. I don't only okay. say that thinking like, let me think of all things, you know, men or people do wrong with yeah. women. Uh, I think there is somewhat of a, uh, I think some women set themselves up f- for some of the frustration that I do see. Um just in terms of being like almost, I, I love women in leadership. I mean, don't get me wrong. We are live mm-hmm. sometimes, and how I want to say this. But I think sometimes like with the feminist movement, it almost gets to the point of like, so strong, we don't even need men. I don't believe that. Mm-hmm. I, I yep. think that there is equal importance, varying importances. I mean, I view my husband in that way. I view myself in that way. Uh, we both lead. We also both serve. So uh, we both like, we both give and we both receive. Like there is not just one side to both of those things. Sure. Um, but sometimes I think in women's fight to like be seen and be heard, I totally get it because you've been having to fight to be seen and be heard your whole life. But I think that it can sometimes go like one step about where you're kind of proving their point. Like, well, they think you're kind of uh mean and you actually are. So like there's also a difference like right. be a man and also just be mean and you just are. So mm-hmm. Regardless mm-hmm. of gender, So that's kind of tough because you're balanced that like as soon as you start advocating for women in leadership, you kind of get put in this box of like, mm. oh, well, you're a feminist. You think this you don't. And I think we need to give more gray space there because just you're just because you advocate for women in leadership. Um, yeah, it doesn't necessarily mean that <laughs> that you're all the way on another side of that. Oh, yeah. Um, of that argument. But that being said, um, I think one thing that's really hard for me is uh not necessarily what companies or let's just leave it at companies uh what companies say they value about women but what they represent and this goes across the board beyond women so this is not only gender this is like race this is race this is ethnicity this is um academics this is background Hmm. but like you can't say oh oh we value for this podcast specifically women And then you don't give a single woman a seat at the table, right? It's all men making decisions or Mm -hmm. you have the female representative there. So you can say she has a seat at the table, but you don't ever allow her to be heard. Mm -hmm. Um, Talked over the entire time. You're not inquisitive enough to listen to what she has to say. So awesome. She has a seat at the table. Does she have a voice at the table? Mm -hmm. That is uh, a can, can typically be a huge frustration of mine. And again, that goes on on all other factors, but for us here today with women, um, I think that's something that is, can be yeah. kind of tough. Um, cause you can really get bought into a company or bought into a place believing like I'm going to be able to make a difference. Once you really get in the thick of it, it's the boys club.
0: You yes. Know?
1: yes. Um, uh, so yeah,
0: that's good. Let me just ask a follow-up to that because, um, I've had several of these conversations recently where you say, you know, we want that voice heard. You're at the table. Great. So what is your, a uh, piece of advice maybe for the woman that finds themselves at the table but perhaps is a little bit um intimidated to share their voice mm-hmm. or fearful or wondering you know how it's going to be perceived what word of advice would you give to that woman that maybe has just been mm-hmm. invited to the table
1: mm-hmm. uh don't don't worry about how it's going to be perceived because i promise the man next to you is not wondering how his voice is going to be perceived you know, mm-hmm. and I'm not saying we all need to be men, but this is actually like kind of an uh, an issue I have. Uh, and we're not to not to at the topic of this podcast, but like if I was just a man and I'm talking with you about leadership, it wouldn't be struggles for men in leadership, right? Mm-hmm. We almost never see those podcasts. Yep. We don't typically see like uh, men having to fight their way to the top. You, it's just like we already put those parameters on ourselves as women. I think that's what I was yep. alluding to earlier. Um, like a man is just going to come on here and talk to you about leadership. He's not going to have to identify it into his gender or into how he was born or anything like that. Yep. And honestly, women, young women, you shouldn't either. Like he's not going in wondering, like, am I going to be heard because I'm a man and mm-hmm. I might sound too strong and I might be too charismatic? Have you ever, I mean, honestly, Austin thought to yourself, like, I think I'm being too charismatic here. Nope. Not have one. you ever? Okay. Not yeah. One. I'm like, don't say, don't say yes. Cause I think you'll be lying.
0: <laughs> People would call me on that too. People would call me, I couldn't get away with
1: it, but you're not. And so I, and I'm saying that like, it's so easy. I know that, you yeah. know, young women, that's something you have to work towards, but you have to just kind of shift your understanding to say like, they are not nearly thinking as much about it as you are. Yeah. And I think sure. that takes some personal inner work. I think that takes some identity work. I think that takes some, you know, even spiritual, emotional work to Mm. be able to sit there and have that confidence and not have it be a bitter confidence, Mm. because I don't want to portray that. It's really easy to slide the slippery slope of like, he's he doesn't care what he says, so I'm not going to care what I say. That's bitterness. That's resentfulness. That's not necessarily what we need to get. But you can be a confidence in your voice, whether your voice is higher pitched than the person next to you or not, you know, or lower pitched even than the person next to you
0: absolutely whatever it is I I think that's fantastic advice and um I think you've modeled that really well even from what I've seen of just like when you have that seat don't be afraid to to share and I think what I see with Gen Z is there's very little intimidation I think Gen Z (laughs) loves to share their voice so that's probably another conversation for another day I was Um, gonna
1: say we could have a different podcast I love Gen Z that might be a follow-up
0: and we'll pull some Gen Z on the podcast
1: yeah we can have a different follow-up there
0: (laughs) (laughs) um okay uh what are some of the biggest obstacles you've seen for women in leadership specifically and how have you seen them overcome those obstacles even here in the 21st century?
1: Yeah. Um, I alluded to this one, so I'll just hit on it quick, but I think one is uh, we do let us get in the way. We let our own voice get in the way. Um, We let our own confidence get in the way. Number one, Um, I think number two, we try to be someone we're not. So um, I hope you mm. don't hear me incorrectly. You don't need to go into the boardroom pretending to be the man who's sitting next to you. Like, Be who you are. Be confident mm. in that. Um, and again, I like I said, I, I'm downplaying it, but that takes a lot of work. Those yep. are two things you have to overcome. So your own mind and what you feel like you've been told your whole life, I think, are, are two obstacles you have to overcome. Mm. Another one, and this is probably more for leaders kind of in my season of life, um, but man, there's so much restraint on being able to be a working mom. Mm -hmm. um again i'm really grateful for a company that i don't necessarily have this and again i'm grateful for that but um i i have seen or maybe even been in places where um you get you birth a whole child and you're back to work in four weeks Mm -hmm. and by the way in the state of oklahoma you didn't get paid for that you maybe got some kind of 30% 30% of your paycheck assisted care with it mm. so not mm. only do you have to be back by four weeks that's how they cover themselves and that. are mm-hmm. like well we didn't mm-hmm. ask you to be back in four weeks no you didn't but I need a paycheck and yeah. I, I still need to make
0: mm. you
1: know money so I actually do need to be back in four weeks go there so now you go have there. a <laughs> so now you have a burnt out exhausted work working mom who literally birthed a child 30 days ago um if you haven't done it I'll leave it at that. You did that 30 days ago. Yes. Okay. And then you expect them not only to be back, but to be back in full force, mm-hmm. right? Again, looking, responding as quick, uh, looking as great, working as late as their counterparts around them, whether those people are, however they identify themselves, but around mm-hmm. the table with you. Mm-hmm. Um, it That is a big barrier. And I think uh, one problem that we have with women in leadership is honestly, it's hard to stick around it's easy to start uh, Gen Z like it's easier to believe like you're going in you're changing the world. Um, and sometimes it ends up not being the fit for you and your family or your desires change. Like I want to lead from home. Like I want to yeah. lead my kids and that's okay too. Yeah. There is nothing wrong with that. I, I mean, I commend it. Mm. Um, but for those who really want to stay and it's a desire, I, gosh, you have to push through so many more barriers uh, yeah. once you're in that season of life to the point that it can get really exhausting. Um, mm and there's a lot I could say about how to overcome that, but I don't want to diatribe too much, but that is a barrier that I yeah. see. Um, and it, it it can be a lot to overcome on the mm. other side, even if you're not in that season of life or you're birthing those kids or, you know, whatever it is, I think there's just also an exhaustion that comes, mm-hmm. especially in maybe the less healthy of dynamics in working environments mm. uh, to where, you know, they may have not had a huge life change in that regard of, a marriage, a child, or an adoption or a fostering, whatever it is that they're doing. Um, But they're just tired. Like they're tired Mm -hmm. of screaming for their voice to be heard. And so honestly, I don't even want the seat at the table anymore. Like it's exhausting. And so um, I think those are some big hurdles.
0: Yeah, 100%. Maybe give maybe a, a piece of advice for maybe coworkers with someone who you kind of describe, maybe um the the mom who just gave birth 30 days ago but she's back she's working she's trying to get back up to speed she's she's just living the reality of what her company says this is what needs to happen mm-hmm. what can her coworkers do what male or female what what can they do to help in that situation to help that new mom uh really kind of get back into it like what would have been something that would have been helpful for you or was helpful <laughs> for you when you came back into work
1: mhm yeah um, I can tell you one thing that's not helpful is alluding to your maternity leave as a vacation. Like <laughs> I've heard men jokingly say that I've heard women actually, jo- I shouldn't even say that about men. I- I've mm. heard people jokingly say that. Wow. If you want to trigger a mom, that's mm. the sentence to say. So don't say that. Um, it was not a vacation. I would mm. have probably even loved to, at some points in life to have swapped roles with you for a day. So, mm. uh, I think there's a few things as a coworker. One one thing that pops up to me is, um, and this was my own experience too, but um, there's a lot of like postpartum challenges that can come after having a child, one of them being mental. And especially on the time I was having my first one, I just had no idea. Like they they scan you, you know, you just fill out this paper and it's basically like very extremes of, do you want to do these things or think about them? And I'm like, No. So then, like, you're good to go. We'll see you in uh, three months for your next, you know, whatever appointment. Yeah. yeah. And so um, I think that there's, I'm trying to figure out how I want to word it exactly, but I think there is some benefit that can come from your coworkers giving you the space, maybe to even share and work out some of those like feelings that you're having, you know, sometimes yeah. it's, it's just exhaustion. Like mm-hmm. I don't necessarily have anything wrong. I don't have postpartum depression. I am literally just so exhausted or yeah. I just need to talk to an adult. Mm-hmm. That is not my literal infant who does not, I love to death, but can only really smile. Maybe that at this time, you right. know? So I think just being kind of in a, a space, a safe space, uh, specifically, mm-hmm. um, and probably even too, just like giving them the confidence that their job's secure. My, to be honest, it's a hard question to answer because um, my experience has not really come from coworkers around me. They've always been great. I've never had mm-hmm. a. I think I think the pressure comes from the top, or maybe even up. So uh, you're supervising people, and you're just coming back in, or. The pressure from above of like yeah. okay you're back we, these are the things we need this is how we need you to do it mm-hmm. blah 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 something that was so beneficial for me when i had my second one um we do three months full full paid maternity leave just no matter what if you're if it's paternal it's two months mm-hmm. um but maternity leave is just a full pay three months mm-hmm. uh that's really practical but what it did for me was i had gotten into such a routine i i didn't feel like i needed as much of the the mm. help to get back in, if that makes sense. Like it Absolutely. felt like I had a full recovery. That's yeah. the best thing my boss, if we're talking boss, could have done for me. Mm. Um, And I would say that for almost any season of life, like if we have um, employees who, you know, have a sudden pass on their family or something that I can even feel it like the armor up. It's like, no, I'm fine. I'm going to keep working. We, we've really tried to like almost even demand at whatever time they want to take like a two mm. week, maybe for something like that or a month or I um <laughs> I put I mandatorily put one of our employees on a two week sabbatical once just because they had a lot of other things going on in their life um, mm. and ended up being the best thing for the better overall even though they didn't really like it in the moment um, and so I think like I said it's time and space but wh- wherever you sit on the org chart time and space looks different so sure. just as a supervisor I think that's something that really helped me
0: yeah. No, I think that's very practical and very helpful, even for me to like learn from that. Um, this is a fun question. I think you should go in on this one and be raw, be real. What, <laughs> what do men need to know about women in leadership? And, and maybe even more specifically, like, what do you wish men understood? What if they could understand this about women in leadership roles? What would that be?
1: I've alluded to a bit of it. So I don't want to be too repetitive, but I will say especially for some some young women leaders, it took a lot for them to say whatever they just said. And your response is essentially going to build trust in your uh in the leadership they have with you or diminish it. Hmm. Um and I don't say that's put like a ton of pressure on you, but you know what, pressure's on women all the time to lead, so sure. actually that maybe yeah. that is a little bit of pressure. And Put it on okay. a that's good. It's good Um, <laughs> but yeah, I would say that, that the response is really key. Um, and I think it's easy to not pay attention to, I would say that that's a, le- that's not even a woman in leadership to me. That's a, across the board. Like mm. it was also hard for that 23 year old man in a room full of six year old exec- executives to speak his mind too. So yeah, that's I, I just think, uh, leadership one-on-one in general um that your first response is is going to build that or it's going to build resentment towards it so um consider that Uh, i think if you're a more outspoken person like i am i can easily negate how hard it is for people to speak their Mm -hmm. mind uh, and just kind of move on and that's something i've really had to slow down as a leader and um acknowledge you know uh, those things and where those times would may have been hard so that would be my first thing um something else I knew about women in leadership, uh, stop referring to them as a woman leader. You're just putting mm. them in the box more and mm. more and more and more and more. You're, you are, um, reiterating what they already know. They already yeah. know that they're the only woman in the room. Yeah. They already know that they're here and they have to be confident and speak their mind. Mm. Um, so like, just refer to it's everyone's a leader. Like you're yep. leading alongside me. Um, I recognize your barriers are different. Just like I would recognize someone who didn't grow up as privileged as me. Those barriers are different as well. Mm-hmm, mm-hmm. Um, so, but yeah, that it, it sometimes feels like when we talk about women in leadership specifically, I'm trying to be careful with saying this. Cause I do, like I said, love women in leadership, mm-hmm, mm-hmm. but it can almost feel like, so are we going to box everyone in? Like yeah. when you start leading um, and you grew up, I don't know, let's say in a gang in Chicago. I don't know. I'm trying to think of something mm-hmm. very outside of Oklahoma. Are we going to say like, "Hey, tell me how it is leading from uh, coming out of this gang that you were in in Chicago"? You know, like we don't, yeah. we don't stereotype people like that. So it kind of helps to eliminate that barrier yeah. a little bit and just yeah. acknowledge we're both leading, we both have different perspectives. Mm-hmm. Tell me about your perspective. Let me mm-hmm. tell you about mine. That builds trust. Yep. So um, I think that's something that that I probably wish uh, men knew. Mm. Um, I also wish they knew that more often than not uh oh my gosh my husband will die when i say this (laughs) women are kind of are right i think their instincts are pretty spot on um i am not trying to (laughs) say that women are wrong but um (laughs) i've been in a lot i've oh my gosh i cannot recount the amount of times it wasn't even me specifically but i'm like in a room and decisions being made and there were even a few women in the room who were like i just think if you do that then this but just logically it all fit and it made sense. And so mm. they kind of ignored the warning and almost every, maybe 80% of the time that a shadow of a doubt, that exact person did end up feeling that thing. That person did resign. That person mm. did get upset. And we both bring elements of that to the table. Sure. Um, so I'm not discounting it because I think also we wouldn't have even arrived at that really good idea mm-hmm. without, whoever was deciding, let's just say a man deciding that to begin with, but they discounted the 50% of an adjustment they could have made that would have saved the, I don't know, the relationship maybe, or the money or the revenue or whatever Mm. it was that kind of got broken in the streamlined process of a tunnel vision that I think all of us can have, all of us as leaders can have. And I can make those mistakes too. I can be so tunnel visioned and not Mm. listen to the gen z or in the room who may have said something uh but more guiltily i didn't listen to the boomer who said something and i could have saved myself from a really wow yeah uh big mistake that has that is the if we want to talk about stereotypes that is the biggest uh weakness that has been in my leadership in the past and um and i was hurt for it or i Mm -hmm. wasn't i hurt people for it
0: sure yeah, yeah, absolutely. Yeah, I think the idea of intuition, the feeling, the gut, the perspective outside of the maybe logistical rationale is something we see a lot, especially with Gen Z. The one, I, the ones I talk to, they're very conscious of like, oh, this will affect this person. And so yeah. I'm not going to say that or I'm not going to do that yeah. or I don't want to do that because that will damage this relationship or we yeah. perceive this way. Whereas I think older generations – didn't care about Mm -hmm. that as much even think about it but i think social media just having a presence understanding you have influence and following and also seeing news or celebrities athletes say something and then boom trigger effect of all this Mm -hmm. or oh they didn't handle this well and look what happened you know and so i think you're so right i think understanding that really for men and for women that that intuition and not Mm -hmm. um, whether you're the youngest at the table the least experienced doesn't matter what your gender is like you're, you're coming with something to add to the table and add to the conversation. So I think that is yeah. valuable.
1: Yeah. Cause I think there's a difference between confidence and arrogance. Like mm-hmm. there's a big difference. And I think if you're confident, you're willing to admit that you could be wrong. If you're arrogant, you're coming in with such a confidence that I know this is right. Mm-hmm. You know? And I think any leader, regardless of gender race, race within the city background experience, like you said, could fall short to that. And mm-hmm. so, uh, women you're not exempt from that just because I think sometimes in subconsciously we almost want to give ourselves a pass like you know what it doesn't even matter that I was arrogant I, fr- I need to be in order to get my voice heard I think we can fall to that sometimes mm. but that but then the bigger question is okay but are you being a good leader regardless yeah. if you're woman or male like is that are you being a good leader in that mm. sense and so yeah there's a, again we could diatribe on a whole different episode yeah. um, there but yeah confidence versus arrogance is something that I mean even I'm challenged with every single day
0: sheesh that's so good. Andra. I love that confidence versus arrogance. That's another whole podcast conversation yeah, as well. We just, we'll do a whole one, a whole hour long conversation on that one. <laughs> what, what habits do you practice in your leadership and your rhythms to maintain healthy boundaries and yeah, rhythms in life, rhythms in leadership? Like what, what are some things you could, you could pass on to a next gen leader about, you know, maintaining that health?
1: Oh man there's so many uh places i could take that one in leadership specifically i try to do a lot of work especially because i'm making a lot of decisions you know these days and it obviously affects a lot of people uh but it's pretty isolated as well like on Mm -hmm. a ceo level you don't have people to the left to the right of you i have a founder above me but i but it's a pretty isolated area um I've had to do a lot of work to intentionally put people around me who don't think like me. Mm. Um, there's like, there's one person in my mind. Um, she's awesome. She thinks 30 times slower than me and, um, and a million times differently. And, and it's hard for me. Mm. But I test almost every new decision or idea. Uh, Let me talk more strategy because you don't need to like test every decision on people. But Mm -hmm. a new strategy, stuff like that on her. uh, Because like I said, she sees things I do not see and she thinks about it so slowly. Mm -hmm. I love her for it. We talk about this all the time, her and I. Um, But like someone like her, I know there's another um, guy and and he works for me too. And I run up things against him. He has been... in that company pretty much since it started actually since it started and he just has context for knowing things. I don't, hmm. he can be more resistant to change uh, which is a good thing actually because I am prone to change. I'm like, we've done it. We've done like It's good. All right, we're going to change it. We're going to do this. This is hmm. this. And change isn't always the answer, especially yep. in a world that's experiencing change fatigue. That's good. So he slows me down in that way. I mean, I could go through like the six people I kind of have, um, but I will caveat with this: like they are hard to listen to. Like I'm saying it, like I've done a lot of work to put them around me, but it doesn't make it easy because I'm like they can see me. I'm like I knew you're gonna say this. I'm tapping your right. foot. Like okay, let's go. And I constantly have to remind myself: you, you practice what you preach. You can't mm-hmm. put them at your table and then not listen to what they have to say. Yeah. Your mind is already made. Up. You can't go into it like your mind is already made up, even if you know it's eighty percent already there. Yeah there's no point in wasting their time if you're not going to listen to what they have to say. So mm. that's just kind of a, I don't know I to call it a routine, but it, it's a habit that I've, sure. I've tried to put in my life because it can be isolated decision-making, especially on a strategy side can be really dangerous decision-making if it's done alone too long um, and there's no accountability holding you there. So yeah. um, that's something on a leadership side that has helped me a lot. Mm. Um, my husband and I, we, so we both work full-time. Our kids are in daycare full-time. Um, it's a, it's a very full life. I don't love the term busy, but it is absolutely a full life Mm. and we can just miss each other. So, um, weekly or biweekly date nights are, are something really big for us. Um, we started doing this thing, actually, it was, uh, It was on, I think we saw somewhere on Instagram. So maybe people might be familiar with it when I say it, but we Mm -hmm. started it and it it is probably one of the most beneficial things we've started putting into our routine. So um, at night, every night, they call it team and it's like touch. So you, so in some way, shape or form, like you touch and then you share, both share one thing that you learned. So educate the other on something you learned for the day. Then there's a, which is appreciate something that you learned the other day and then m is the the matrix um which mm. is like this is everything i've wanted to correct you on all day long but i'm saving it for one time so i don't sound like a naggy wife um <laughs> kind of thing
0: i love that <laughs> and I, it's called matrix
1: yeah so so the team that's how it breaks down mm. and the m is like the what john would call like you know correction heart Got he literally it. we wouldn't call it matrix where he says like oh ready, what do you want to correct me on so <laughs> i'm like that's not really the goal but yeah 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 i am me so i always have feedback i mean i i could not have feedback and just make up feedback i just right. i constantly have feedback so yeah. uh i've been toning it down these days but anyway those are routines uh on a marriage side that have been really helpful that we put mm. in into practice there um and then the other thing the last one i would say is and it's the hardest one for me but I have had to practice like solitude and stillness more than anything else. Like I could recommend top five leadership podcasts, a leadership book, a a health book, a self care book. It is in the world we live in right now. It is just all noise to me, and just mm-hmm. movement. Um, they're they're important and they're valuable. But I've learned to more so just put time into it, as if that's almost part of my job at this point. Yeah. Um but yeah, I've, I've gotten to a place in life where so I have a 45 to an hour minute or an hour long commute. And mm-hmm. I used to like, you know, audible books, podcasts. Um, and I'm at a place now that solitude is probably the the best thing that I can give or silence is the best thing I can give myself, yeah. listen to myself think so I don't get too far away from my own voice. Wow. Um, is something that I've really had to start putting into my daily mm. routines.
0: Yeah, no, that's actually really important. I feel that Again, for a young leader, they've grown up with noise where they yep. have noise just when they wake up, when they go to bed, before yep. they go to bed, like the very seconds before they're falling asleep, they're yep. on their phone. And even if it's not their phone, they can open their laptop, even podcasts, yep. music. There's just stuff always on. And I think I've seen so, even in my own leadership journey, like the importance of having 30 minutes where you're yeah. just like breathing. <laughs> it's like, yeah, oh, I can hear my own breath. Like, that's yeah. nice. Like, Hearing hearing the wind uh in the trees, like just the simple things that I think we've taken for granted because yeah. we're just surrounded by noise. So yeah. yeah. That's that's awesome.
1: Yeah. Okay. Wait, I have to go. I'm I'm throwing you off. I know I am. No, dude. But it. I have to say the one thing, uh, I don't know why this just popped in my head, but you one thing you said men, you wish men or need men need to know about women leadership, something mm. like that. They want to be developed. This I'm about to get on my soapbox here. And Go maybe this it. is oh. what you were looking for before. <laughs> this, is, this is what I was
0: excited about.
1: But um, I, I don't know why it just came to me now talking about solitude. Um, women want to be developed. Period. It can be from a man, it can be from a woman, it can be from a boomer, it can be from another Gen Zer, it can be from an alpha if they are so smart, like that they can develop them. Mm-hmm. It does not matter, but they want to be developed women miss so many development opportunities because the leading workforce or even just the leadership world right now is so men curated men pouring into other men that they miss every opportunity to be developed i mean even just where i grew up like i can think of um i guess at the time boys that i grew up with and they were just from a young age like hey we see like we see a a communication in you, you know, we're going to put you in communication. And I was automatically just put into the nursery from age like eight. Mm. I mean, Mm -hmm. what, It's not like I had a choice in that. You know what I mean? And then even as you start to get a choice, it is really hard. I mean, we're probably going to scream at this, but mentorship is so hard as a woman, because honestly the skills I need to learn are from how many women CEOs do you know?
0: Mm. Yeah,
1: not a lot. I mean, I don't know a lot, unfortunately. I actually am learning a lot more. But overall, I don't know a lot. So, okay, Jerry, do you want me to grow? I'm going to need a mentor. Uh, they're probably going to be a man. Um, and I'm sorry, man, that I'm asking a mentor me. I really don't want to get in your pants and I could care less about that. So, yep. like, stop sexualizing it. Oof. Um, I I don't want to go too much on this podcast with that. But I get so fired up about, like, mentorship does not need to be sexualized. Mm. And honestly, if a man can't have a phone call with a woman once a month, Develop them without wanting to get in their pants. I don't know if they should be working with people. I think they should be in therapy. Mm. You know, so this is um <laughs> this is what I was waiting for. This is it. I was keeping myself reserved, and then I don't know what there's I a still am why... actually. There's a lot more I could say on this. there's a
0: reason why her dog is named is Nugget. Okay, it's because Anj has these Nuggets that come out of nowhere and they're there. Nugget is there, he's not forgotten, he's a part of the family. <laughs> Keep going on, whatever you need to say. This is good. This is really but good. But it
1: drives me nuts or it's like, um, well, hey, we really need a woman to, we we really need a woman to, women to preach. Oh, we don't know any. So we'll just have a man preach instead. You know why you don't know any? Because no one is teaching women how to preach because they're so worried to be so close to them. That's why you don't know any women preachers because people mm-hmm. are afraid to invest in them or they're afraid about what people are going to think if you do put a woman on your stage just to speak. So we'll develop men from a young age, to learn how to communicate from a stage. But God forbid we let women do that. You know, so now women are starting like I mean, if I'm even comparing you and I, I would be starting at this base level at 30 to learn how to preach, communicate, do whatever I want to do in a way that I would argue probably you've been somewhat invested in almost the majority of your life just by traits that have been seen in you. Great. So women are already starting at a baseline. The screen's confusing me. (laughs) Women are already starting at a baseline down here and it only goes up. So great. A woman's leveled up. That man already did. Mm -hmm. Now this woman's crossing this barrier. That man way surpassed that one. And a lot of it to me comes down to development. It comes Mm. down to the people who saw them, the people who believed in them. And then outside of that, like we women need to see women doing things so they can hold the confidence that they that they want to to be in those rooms and say those hard things. It's hard to do it when there's no women there. And it's hard to get women there without women being trusted. And it's hard to get women trusted without being developed. So Mm. It's just we're chasing our own tail on this because we're so afraid to develop women because we're so worried that yes. God forbid they want to come after me and have an affair with me. Yep. I would venture to say on behalf of most women we really don't. Yep. You know. And if that's and, a you problem then like I said you should and, deal I with mean, that you problem.
0: From being around ministry people for a while too it's like the unspoken mm-hmm. thing of um it can be threatening. Right? Mm-hmm. Like you're you're training yeah. someone cuz who's get, like in your example Who's going to train people to preach other preachers. Mm-hmm. So in More a way you are, you are developing people that will take your place, that will take yep. your position, that will take your speaking opportunities. And if we're being real, that's a thought for people. Yep. And so yep. it's easier to have that one person you invest into probably should be a dude. Cause that person will probably take over your church or that person will take over the youth group or whatever it is. Mm-hmm. And you don't think about, multiplication mm-hmm. you think about um replacement
1: yeah very yep.
0: different terminology very different uh theology even of what the church should look like what ministry should look like um yeah but you're right i think you need to kind of blow up that model a little a little bit because it's uh it's not even what jesus did so mm-hmm. if, if that's not how jesus operated i i don't know mm-hmm. why we would in for our organizations specifically yeah. in the ministry world
1: yeah, it's not all about succession. I can appreciate succession. I think as a good leader, yep. you have to have that in mind. Yep. But we focus, in my opinion, almost only on that. And mm-hmm. like you said, the multiplication piece is, is really missing. Right. Uh, and you're missing 50% of a group of people mm-hmm. who I think are dying actually to help yep. in those ways, serve in those ways yep. beyond the nursery, the children's care, the whatever you want, assistant, the executive assistant, they don't necessarily want to be that. They want to be a director, manager, leader, but they don't have anyone opening the doors to help them get there or even show them the door. Like you, I will open it myself, but can you just show me where the door is? Because I have no idea. Yep. Um, And I can't see anyone else doing it who looks like me, talks like me. And so in my head, it's already looking like an impossibility. And then I armor up because I'm so bitter about the impossibility that's existed since I was five. Mm. You know? So is, that's it. I'm off my soapbox now. This is what I was waiting for, Anj.
0: I knew it was gonna come out. I, I didn't know when or what point. I just knew it was gonna come out. So thank you, God, for soapboxes.
1: So that's what I wish men knew in leadership.
0: They know now. They they know now, Anj. They know. Yeah. Um, okay, kind of as we wrap up, um, love to ask you something I like to just start asking all of our guests as we wrap up. What is what is one piece of advice you have for young leaders? So we'll we'll target Gen Z here um what's one piece of advice you'd pass on to the next gen
1: the hardest one that i've had to learn and you'll probably laugh at this but you pick the right battles and choose the right hills to die on because mm. there are so many every day like we have so much noise as you were saying earlier there's so much advocacy but i've really found at least in my life if i want to be an advocate for everything i become an advocate for nothing it yeah. just becomes noise like so so much width that there's no depth in what i'm trying to develop and what i'm trying to advocate for Mm -hmm. like i've just found like i would rather be outspoken about one issue and actually do something about it than be outspoken about every single issue and have really no margin to do anything about those things like let someone else pick up the other pieces it's collaboration that's why we work together that's why there's eight billion people or wherever there is on the yeah. world it's okay for your hills uh and your battles to be yours but don't try and fight everyone's um and especially as gen z it is really tempting to i i'm like right i guess you and i are both like right on the cusp of kind of both millennial and gen mm-hmm. z so i mm-hmm. truly feel all of all of it um and i work with people who are more gen x and boomers and actually can understand their frustrations too they're like in fact stop fighting it all and do your job i would actually just love that that's what I would love for you to do. Just do your job. That would be yes. awesome. Yes. Um,
0: <laughs> Come to your job. Work your hours. Yeah. <laughs> work your <friends.
1: laughs> but so for, yeah, for young leaders, it's not that there's not a battle worth fighting for. There really is. Um, but choose them really, really wisely or you will burn yourself out by the time that you're even old enough to actually really do something about them. Wow. Um, that's what I would say. That's that. That's 100%. <laughs>
0: I love that. That's Real Takes with Andrea Hire. I'm going to have to rename the podcast after this one. Just Real Takes <laughs> featuring Andrea Hire. We'll just do a you weekly episode.
1: You can call it whatever. <laughs> no, call this one whatever you want.
0: <laughs> Man, Audge, thank you so much for taking the time. Just to hang out with us. Um, share some wisdom. Drop some truth. Absolutely. Stand on a soapbox or two. It's all needed. And uh, I appreciate learning from you. I've been learning on this. So if nothing else, thank you for helping me learn um, and educating the next generation on how they can be better leaders. So appreciate your time.
1: Well, thanks for having me, Augustine. Absolutely.
0: See you guys next time on the Digital Discipleship Podcast.